what's going on. Um, I have a laundry list of things I want to talk about. I did my homework. I wrote some stuff down. But before we get into anything remotely important, um, I have I have a complaint. I have a complaint. So I was having a pretty good morning. You know, I got off work exactly at the time I was supposed to get off, which is a rarity on the days that I get off before like my weekends. Um, and uh, uh, thanks to these thunder thighs, I popped the seam, the inseams on my favorite pair of leggings. Now, why is that the end of the world? You can literally buy leggings anywhere, you ask. Well, I'll tell you. These leggings are Massimo leggings. Um, if you don't know who Massimo is, Massimo is married to Aunt Becky from Full House, and they were giving the University of Southern California an unnecessary amount of money just for their daughters to get in, even though their daughters have no um, interest in the school. So Target no longer sells Massimo. There is no Massimo website. So I literally just Googled leggings like Massimo. And I've got a couple of options. I'm for sure before the year is out, I will have them. There's some Lands End leggings, which are expensive, and there's some like JC Penny um, knockoffs that I may not get to. But yeah, I'm really sad. So um, we're gonna go through all the things that I want to go through. Thanks for joining me. Something I didn't exactly research, but that I need to go back and research. It's a rabbit hole for me for later. I'm going to make a note of it. Eminent domain. And the reason I'm thinking about it is because I saw the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, uh, sign a bill to transfer property uh, back to the family who originally owned this property. It's called Bruce's Beach. It's um, It was seized by the city of Manhattan Beach away from Willa and Charles Bruce back in the 20s. Um, Bruce's Beach was a prominent resort, a black resort. Um, now they claimed eminent domain, but then the city seized it from them and didn't do anything with it. It just sat there. And so I just want to think about other properties that probably were taken because of eminent domain, things like, um, Central Park and other interstate projects, um, and how that affects black folk. <laughs> And now for a piece about black excellence. Uh, these two women that I'm about to talk about are the first two black women to be inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. The first young lady is being introduced posthumously. I'm for real sure I've said that right. Uh, her name is Patricia Bath. She was the first woman to chair an op ophthalmology ophthalmology the eye surgeon that she was the first woman to chair that residency in the united states she invented this technique slash device called laser faco laser faco yeah we'll guess on that it's something that you know if you've ever had cataract surgery it performs every step of the process of removing the the, the cataract incision getting those cells out, cutting those cells out, all that. It does the whole shebang. So she's going to get her flowers late as they may be. And also Marion Croak, who is currently in charge of Google's Research Center for Responsible AI and Human-Centered Technology. 
This woman has over 200 patents of her own. Now, Marion Croak, uh, she's famous in the tech community. I assume she's famous. Uh, back in the day when she worked at AT&T, she worked and helped develop VoIP, uh, Voice Over Internet Protocol, which we should know of because it's responsible for basically all the ways that we communicate um, using telecommunications. Uh, think about Zoom, Skype, WhatsApp, um, your Facebook slash inter, um, Facebook slash IG Messenger. That's all VoIP technology, and she helped develop that. So she's getting her flowers as well. I don't know when they have a ceremony, if they have a ceremony, who else is going to be in the ceremony. I did not know there was a Hall of Fame for inventors, but there is a laundry list of Black folk who should be in there. So, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> All right, I have some Metro Atlanta news. I'm being extremely petty when I say Metro Atlanta because to me, this is not nowhere near a part, a piece of the Metro, anything in Atlanta. I'm talking about Cherokee County. Now, Cherokee County is, it's 30 minutes away north of Kennesaw. It's not in Atlanta. But anyway, it's technically a part of the Metro Atlanta area. So, Wamara. Cherokee County Superior Court Judge Mr. David Cannon is facing some ethics violation charges uh, because of social media. Now, see, when you have a job where you are into um, the judicial system and you're like a public servant like that, you got to be real cautious about what you post, what you share, how you comment. Because, you know, somebody feeling the wrong type of way, now you want the news. Um, they're saying that the, the, the complaint that was filed with the Georgia Supreme Court says that, um, it was willful misconduct and prejudicial to the administration of justice, which brings the judicial office into quote, disrepute. Somebody was mad. So basically what happened was, um, it seems so long ago, but it wasn't, there was a spa shooting. I thought the spa shooting happened in the city of Atlanta, but maybe not. There was a spa shooting. Now, this was right around the time when people were really targeting um, the uh, Asian Pacific Islander community. And so this young man decided he had these sexual urges and he just could not go into the spa anymore. And instead of just not taking his ass into the spa, he decided to kill the people at the spa. So he was caught. And uh, one of the captains with Cherokee County Sheriff's Office, Mr. What's-His-Face, Jay Baker, had this press conference and he was like, oh, you know, he had a really bad day and and it just, you know, he just, it was just a bad day for him. And everybody in the internet was like, bitch, what? What do you mean he had a bad day? So uh, Justice, is he called Justice? The, I'm gonna call him Justice Cannon um posted that comment or posted that statement i mean that uh press conference and someone in the comments basically was saying that baker was in the wrong and then justice cannon told whoever i don't disagree um and then someone said that um oh yeah um what's his face justice cannon said that you know he was gonna taint the jury pool basically by making those kinds of statements and um somebody didn't agree that the judge should be saying anything and they filed the complaint now 
according to, I guess this is like the investigations part of it, Judge Cannon said that, hey, a judge was already a judge was already assigned to this case. But then in the same meeting, he had to admit that he still could be called upon to sign off on warrants regarding this case. So the um, Judicial Qualifications Committee, there's always a committee, they said that within this um, whole Facebook nonsense, there were six violations that took place. Um, and so Justice Cannon's attorneys are saying, hey, he didn't give up his First Amendment rights because he's a justice, because he's a judge. Um, so this is an instance of a First Amendment uh, plea actually mattering. This is how you would utilize the First Amendment. Um, but he says that his client was trying to just, you know, basically clean up the image of the law enforcement community in Cherokee County. He didn't want it to seem like, you know, because people were taking Captain Baker's statement and saying, okay, this is a joke. You, you can't be serious. This is what the cops are saying. Um, the optics did not look very good. So uh, his attorney is going to fight it, of course. I don't know what happens if they say that he did, you know, do this or what the outcome is going to be. Is he going to have to resign, step down? They said charges like the man was facing time. But uh, this came from uh, Atlanta Journal of Constitution. So maybe we'll check in on that and see what the hell is going on. It didn't really, I, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I'm not a judge, so I didn't have a problem with what he was saying, but somebody did. All right, so depending on how long winded I get, I could be breaking this up into a couple of segments, but now we have arrived at sports. Um, it's Thursday. Oh, no, it's shit. It's not Thursday. It's Friday. Yesterday was Thursday, but I'm not going to discuss the football game or anything like that. I'm going to save that for uh, hopefully mm, Tuesday morning. Uh, then we can discuss, you know, all the college football, all the NFL at one time. Uh, so we're going to start. Oh, no, I'm going to keep it on football for a second. The Super Bowl halftime Pepsi show lineup has been released. They said, we, you will not talk shit about us this year because the weekend was dry as hell. I do not care. I do not care. It was dry. It was tired. It was not for me. The lineup, because Super Bowl is going to be in Inglewood this year. Does that mean it's like the Rams stadium or the... Well, yeah, because the Chargers are... No, the Chargers are in LA too. You know what? Anyway, the Super Bowl lineup was released. Uh, they have Dr. Dre, which let's put an asterisk on Dr. Dre. I don't know how I feel about that, given he got a lot going on that may change. But if that changes, they may have to change the whole thing. But anyway, Dr. Dre, Snoop, of course, makes perfect sense. Dr. Dre, Eminem, makes perfect sense. Um, and then Kendrick Lamar, who is, you know, an LA cat, West Coast cat, and Mary J. Blige. Now, I was stuck on that one. I said, now what is Mary doing? But Mary J. Blige has got to be the, the hip hoppiest R&B type of person. Like when you think of hip hop, you do think of Mary J. Blige. Like you just do. And it makes perfect sense that she would be on the stage with Snoop and Dre and, and yeah, I guess Eminem. 
because she represents the hip hop culture. So I don't know what it is. It's everything about Mary J. Blige is so very hip hop and it's I'm for it. And I can't wait to have I wanna I can't wait to see what kind of boots she gonna have on. She gonna give us the dance, give us the jig. It's gonna be cute. Um older crowd, you know, catering to an older crowd. But shit, if you think about it, the generation that listened to those people, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mary J, they the ones buying the damn tickets. So yeah, you should cater to that crowd. I like this lineup. And um, February, you know, it's kind of far off, but you know, time go by fast. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay, brief amendment. I did some research. It is home to the LA Rams, <laughs> the SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. It's home to the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and hell, the way they playing, they 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 could be playing there. But yeah, so yeah, did my research. The National Basketball Players Association has um, refused to adopt any vaccine. Um, vaccine mandates so the nba doesn't have any vaccine mandates for the players i think they have their own in in place for you know nba employees um but they are going to extend different restrictions to non-vaccinated players uh, in terms of their traveling um what they're allowed to do when they're not playing basketball how they're allowed to move within the cities that they live in that they visit even the how close they are to their teammates outside of practice, outside of the games. We're not talking about a whole lot of folk. There's like 400 players. Um, they're reporting 95 of them, 95% of them, excuse me, are fully vaccinated. So just a few stragglers and some who are just outright not going to get it no matter what. Uh, and some of them are, you know, larger named. Um, but so far the NBA says, hey, that's their prerogative. Sure thing. Joel Embiid is not keeping quiet, okay? Okay. He's letting the people know exactly how he feels about this Ben Simmons kerfuffle, shenanigans, unnecessary, whatever you want to call it. It's it's nonsense. It's bullshit is what it is. So first he said, I think it was like earlier this week or last week, whatever, um, we all saw the tape talking about that wide open layup that Ben missed. But even before that tape, we saw that he was scared to shoot all fourth quarter of the entire series against Atlanta. But anywho, now recently, uh, I think it was yesterday in press conferences, you know, for training camp, he basically said, hey, we didn't develop the team around me. We developed it around Ben, giving him what he wanted. He won the ball in his hands. So we kept Al Horford and we got rid of Jimmy Butler. And that's not the first time Joel Embiid has said that he really wanted to keep Jimmy Butler. I think most people who watch basketball knew Jimmy Butler was the better pick. But um, I like that he's saying it. I I do. I like it. I like a little, you know, like a little bad blood in my sports. I think that Ben Simmons has to really take stock in who he has been as a player for this organization. Um, I, I think he wants out because he can't face the organization. I think that's what it is, honestly, because there's no way you can say that you were completely happy about how you had been playing for the past couple of seasons to have the demands that he's having. But hey, is what it is. Keeping it on basketball for a minute, 
I said in the last episode that I hadn't been watching any WNBA, and I have not, but I want to really make a concerted effort to pay women's sports more attention. I just should. So let's get into it, okay? Last night, now the WNBA, they played their East and West Conference semis the same day. Um, so last night, you had the Connecticut Sun beating the Chicago Sky, and you had the Phoenix Mercury beating the Las Vegas Aces. Now, both series are tied one and one, and so they play again on Sunday. The Sun-Sky game is at 1 p.m. It's on ESPN, and the Phoenix-Las Vegas game is going to be on ABC at 3 p.m. on Sunday. Um, now, let's get into some some uh, team highs, okay? So, for the Chicago Sky you had the points leader being Kalia Cooper. She had 13 points. Candace Parker led her team in rebounds with seven. And Courtney Vandersloot had six assists. Now, in the previous game, in game one, Courtney Vandersloot had a triple-double. She had 12 points, 18 assists, and 10 rebounds. She was balling. Um, but that was game two. No, I lied. That was game one. My fault. So the Connecticut Sun... You have uh, 15 points coming from Dewana Bonner and Alyssa Thomas. Alyssa Thomas was also the team leader for rebounds with 11. And Alyssa Thomas was the team leader in assists with six. So she was all over the court for the Connecticut Sun. Now, next game, the Phoenix Mercury. Nope, I'm going to come at Phoenix. I'm going to go to the Las Vegas Aces. Points leader was Kelsey Plum. She had 25. Uh, rebounds was uh, South Carolina Gamecock, Asia Wilson, with nine rebounds. And tied for seven assists, Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray. Now the Phoenix Mercury. I'm going to start with the assists. Five assists coming from Brittany Griner, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and Kia Vaughn. Seven rebounds coming from Brittany Griner. 37 points. From Diana Taurasi. Now, I don't watch a whole lot of WBA. We talked about that. But Diana Taurasi has been one of my favorites since she was at UConn. This is, what is this, like year 16, 17, 18? She's been in the league for a long-ass time. Let's Google it because we have resources. How many seasons? Diana Taurasi. Let's see. How many seasons? 17, all with the same team. And she's still giving you 37 points in a game, in a playoff game. Insane, insane. But again, those games are going to be on Sunday, one on ESPN, 3 p.m. on ABC. Did you forget about the Olympics? I know I damn sure did. Bonus, I know you forgot about the Winter Olympics. Anyway, huh. They're coming up in February. They're going to be in Beijing. And so the IOC, that's the international people who make all the rules for the Olympics, they are allowing vaccinated spectators, but only from mainland China, the hosts. So not even like people from Chinese Taipei or any other Chinese territory, only the folks from the mainland uh, and only if they're vaccinated. There's no vaccine requirements as it stands for participants, athletes, trainers, etc. but they have to quarantine for 21 days when they get to Beijing. Yeah. 
since we're talking about international uh, sports, Manny Pacquiao is officially retiring from boxing. I feel like he probably should have retired a couple of fights ago, um, but whatever. Um, he has a very good historic career. He's won titles in like eight different weight classes. Who the hell else has done that? Um, and he's, you know, focusing on his home nation of the Philippines. He's supposed to be running for president against Duarte. Now, I only know Duarte because he'd be saying some some slick shit about the drug dealers, etc. Um, but he's campaigning against him. So good luck to Manny Pacquiao. I know he does a lot good for the for the country. I think he and his wife built like a whole bunch of houses for folks. So yeah, Manny Pacquiao, no more boxing, on to maybe the presidency. The Atlanta Braves have clinched the NL East for the fourth year straight, going to the playoffs. Now, we finish out the regular season this weekend. We've got a three-game series against the New York Mets. And then October 8th starts the first round of the playoffs. I don't know enough about baseball to know if this is like regular playoffs or if this is still a wild card matchup. I don't know. But we got a best of five series against the Milwaukee Brewers. So come on, Braves. Thank you. Also, my fault. Also, um, you know, there is uh, a league of professional soccer for women it's called the national women's soccer league i used to watch this like way back in the day they've gone through some different changes and teams or whatever but they are they got some drama there was a head coach i'm assuming he's a former head coach at this time uh paul riley and he apparently has been accused of or charged with or is you know sexual coercion and emotional abuse of his players and they're coming under fire um, the, the organization's coming under fire for, I guess, not protecting its players. Now, because I forgot about this league, I decided to do a little research. There are 10 teams up until, I think, 2022. They're going to get two, uh, two additional teams. Um, and I found my hometown team. And that's going to be the Orlando Pride. And so far, the Orlando Pride are 20-7, fifth place. So still technically within the range of their playoff contention. They have four matches left before the playoffs. Uh, they play today against the Chicago Red Stars. And there's people I know on the roster who um, comprise of the Orlando Pride. The people I know of anyway, Alex Morgan, Marta, who was a Brazilian superstar, um, Ashlyn Harris. I don't know why I know her, but I know her. And Sydney LaRoe. They are four members of that team. So, Got another team to cheer for. Not an Atlanta team, but maybe one day they'll get an Atlanta team. So, yeah. Soccer. Okay, I said I wasn't going to talk about college sports, I think, earlier, and I lied. I'm not going to discuss college football results. I am going to talk about colleges for a minute because I got something wrong, and I want to get it correctly. I want to get it. Yeah, I, that's right. I want to get it right. So, uh, first episode, second episode, way back when I first started this project, I said that there were four HBCU athletic conferences. That is incorrect. There are five, and I want to make sure I get them right now. The four conferences, uh, the sorry, see, did it again. The five conferences 
only comprised of like half of the schools that make up HBCU. So I got to do some more research. I'm educating myself as well as giving you guys some education on it if you're not familiar. Um, so I'm going to give them all what they deserve and they deserve recognition. I can't um, champion like Deion Sanders and what he's trying to do with for HBCUs if I don't come correct about them myself. So there are five conferences. I'm going to go through them, tell you who they are, a little bit about them. And that way, when I discuss them later on, we'll have a point of reference that will be familiar and it'll be, you know, a learning process for all of us. Okay, get ready. Here we go. I'm going to start with the conference that I did not uh, mention in that episode. It's called the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Now, none of these teams have a football team. There were three teams or three schools with this conference who had football teams, but they all left this year. Um, So in the GCAC, we have from Louisiana, Dillard University. They are the Blue Devils and their colors are royal blue and white. You have um, Fisk University from Tennessee. They are the Bulldogs. Their colors are royal blue and gold. We have from Arkansas, Philander Smith, Panthers. Their colors are green and gold. We have the Rust College Bearcats out of Mississippi. Their colors are royal blue and white. And then you have the Tougaloo College Bulldogs out of Mississippi. Their colors are royal blue and scarlet red. Now we have the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Out of Maryland, Coppin State Eagles, they wear blue and gold. Out of Delaware, you have the Delaware State Hornets. They wear Columbia blue and red. D.C. is home of Howard University Bison. Their colors are blue, white, and red. Out of Maryland, we have the University of Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks. Their colors are maroon and gray. Also out of Maryland, Morgan State Bears. Their colors are blue and orange. Out of Virginia, we've got Norfolk State Spartans. Their colors are green, gold, and gray. Out of North Carolina, you have North Carolina Central Eagles. Their colors are maroon and gray. And out of South Carolina, you have the South Carolina State Bulldogs who wear garnet and blue. The Southwestern Athletic Conference is composed of Alabama A&M University Bulldogs who wear maroon and white. Alabama State Hornets who wear black and old gold. Out of Florida, you have Bethune-Cookman University Wildcats who wear maroon and gold. You have Florida A&M University Rattlers who wear orange and green. The Jackson State Tigers out of Mississippi who wear navy blue and white. The Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils who wear forest green, red, and white. Out of Mississippi, we have Alcorn State University Braves who wear purple and gold. Out of Louisiana, Grambling State University Tigers who wear black and gold. Out of Texas, the Prairie View A&M Panthers, who wear royal purple and gold. Back in Louisiana, we have the Southern University Jaguars, who wear Columbia blue and gold. Texas Southern University Tigers, who wear maroon and gray. And the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions, who wear black and gold. The Southern Intercollegiate Conference is comprised of the Albany State Golden Rams out of Georgia, who wear royal blue and old gold. The Allen University Yellow Jackets out of South Carolina, who wear blue and gold. 
the Benedict College Tigers out of South Carolina who wear purple and gold, the Central State University Marauders out of Ohio who wear maroon and gold, the Clark Atlanta University Panthers out of Georgia who wear red, black, and gold, the Edward Waters College Tigers out of Florida who wear purple, orange, and white, the Fort Valley State Wildcats out of Georgia who wear royal blue and old gold, the Kentucky State Thoroughbreds who wear Kelly green and light gold, the Lane College Dragons out of Tennessee who wear cardinal red and royal blue, the Lemoyne Owen College Magicians out of Tennessee who wear purple and gold, the Miles College Golden Bears out of Alabama who wear purple and gold, the Morehouse College Maroon Tigers out of Georgia whose colors are maroon and white, and the Savannah State Tigers out of Georgia who wear burnt orange and reflex blue, the Spring Hill College Badgers out of Alabama who wear purple and white, and the Tuskegee University Golden Tigers out of Alabama who wear crimson and gold. And wrapping up our HBCU athletic conferences, we have the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Conference whose members are the Bowie State Bulldogs out of Maryland who wear black and gold, the Claflin University Panthers out of South Carolina who wear orange and maroon, the Elizabeth City State University Vikings out of North Carolina who wear blue and white, the Fayetteville State Broncos out of North Carolina who also wear blue and white, the Johnson C. Smith State University Golden Bulls out of North Carolina who wear gold and navy blue, the Lincoln University of Pennsylvania Lions, who wear orange and blue, the Livingstone College Blue Bears out of North Carolina, who wear Columbia blue and black, the St. Augustine Falcons out of North Carolina, who wear blue and white, the Shaw University Bears out of North Carolina, who wear garnet and white, the Virginia State Trojans, who wear orange and blue, the Virginia Union Panthers, who wear maroon and steel, and the Winston-Salem State University Rams out of North Carolina who wear scarlet and white. Yeah, I did it. I did it. I named them all. Because if we don't do right by our own, we can't expect anybody else to do right by us. And I felt like it was an injustice for me to just kind of pick and, and choose the couple, you know, the biggest names. Let me address all the schools uh, or all the, the HBCUs that apparently have an athletic department. All the HBCU athletic conferences. I wanted to give them their little shout out because they don't get it very often. I mean, you got to have like all 1700 ESPN channels just to even watch them play. And you don't even get to see the halftime show when they do it. So yeah. But uh, as I was going through my list, this is just not just for HBCUs, but PWIs as well. It was a lot of the same mascots and color schemes going on. And I want to address that. I feel like we need to have some rules. There's some rules of engagement. There should be. Um, the first rule should be that there's only one mascot per conference unless there is an identifier like golden or blue or black or, you know, something extra on top of the tiger, panther, lion, ram, whatever, right? That's the first rule. The second rule is that there are only two teams in that conference with the same school colors, right? Now, those two teams are going to have that rivalry. It's just an excuse for us to have another bowl. You know, we love us a bowl game, right? And so the loser of the previous year has to wear the minor color for that year. So you're fighting to wear that 
major color. Like if the school colors are like black and gold, if black is the major color, if you lose that bowl game, you have to wear gold the next year, like something like that. And also, if you have a conference in order to get, you know, fall in line with my rules, if you have more than one team with the same mascot with no identifier and more than two teams with the same color, you have to establish seniority. So the team that gets to keep their name or their mascot or their color, their color scheme, it goes by the year the school was founded. So the oldest school will get priority, not based on when you join the conference. So if you skip, if you move conferences, right, and you have the same colors as two other teams, you got to change it. Or if you move conferences and you have the same exact mascot as another team, you got to change it. I think those rules should be in place, implemented across all of the intercollegiate play. I don't know why I gave you guys that for free. I'm sure somebody is going to make tens of millions of dollars by coming up with it in their board meeting. But that's just something that I think we should do. Who can I harass about doing that? You think they respond to my email? Okay, so I saw this article in NPR. Um, they have this experimental research going on dealing with um, people with um, congenital eye disorders. They are injecting this, they're calling it a gene editing tool called CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R. Direct, they're injecting it directly into the, the eye cells of the retina of people with these congenital eye diseases. And so far, these are short-term results, so far, these people are able to see vivid colors and definite shapes that they either hadn't seen since they were children or since the progression of their disease. It's still really early. They're not ready to make any definitive calls, but the progress has all been positive with this CRISPR. Look it up. All right, I got another new rule. If you break into a home and the home that you break into um, contains pets, animals, dogs. And those dogs decide that you don't belong there and they proceed to tear your ass out the frame. We, the society, the homeowner, should not have to put our dogs down. That's what you get. This man in Coweta County came home and found a dead man on his porch. The man had broken into his home and the man's, uh, the homeowner's dogs had mauled him to death inside the house, but somehow he got out. They have seized the dogs, but we don't know yet if they're going to euthanize them. They shouldn't have to. The dogs are in their keep. The man was in the wrong. Go talk to Jesus about it. We talked about the mass graves uh, that were discovered in Canada at the site of these Indian residential schools. And we talked about what these residential schools were for the Indian children who were removed from their homes, stripped of their culture and forced to adhere to these Canadian uh, policies, practices, languages, etc. And we talked about how these children were uh, abused physically, uh, emotionally, sexually, um, etc. Um, and how they were killed there. Well, now Canada has had their first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation as a way to get recognition and reparations for its survivors. Um, I love the idea. I hope it spreads to other imperial, colonial um, 
victims, other nations do the same thing. I think it's beautiful and I hope um, it, it starts the healing process. The spirit of fuck around and find out has landed in Poland. Uh, going back to 2019, um, some right wingers and the Roman Catholic Church encouraged these these uh, municipalities in Poland to issue these uh, symbolic proclamations that they were LGBT free. Even though legally these things have no bearing, you know the the consequence, the emotional distress, etc. That You know the message that you're sending to people who are LGBT and all the other letters of the alphabet. Well, the European Union didn't take too kindly from it. They have policies in place against this. And so they threatened to withhold millions of dollars, millions of euros. Um, So Poland had to walk it back. You know what they say. Money talks. Bullshit walks. Louis DeJoy is somehow still gainfully employed and he's doing Fuck shit. Um, he's deliberately slowing the pace and raising the prices of parcels traveling through the United States Postal Service through the holiday season. Now, the price increase is probably permanent. Well, no, I'm sorry. They said the price increase is only through the holiday season, but the slowing of the pace is probably going to be permanent. They claim it's not going to affect small parcels that are traveling within the same region um and it's supposed to not affect you know the priority mailing but um it's going to be slow by 30 percent, whatever that means yeah what is his goal is it just to completely ruin the postal service so he'll be forced to use private uh companies even though the postal service employs a lot of veterans i i, I don't know how is he still employed biden I'm going to close this out with useless, but also important information that you don't necessarily want to know, but you're going to know it now because you're listening to me. Currency unions. A currency union is something that happens when two or more states, as in countries, decide they're going to kind of sort of do business together and use the same currency. It could be formal or informal. There's a handful of currency unions that exist. Um, Let's see, the Indian rupee has a currency union of 1.4 billion people. The U.S. dollar has one of 339 million people. There are some additional planned uh, currency unions, um, like uh, let's what's one that stuck out to me, our good friends at ECOWAS, the ECO, to be used by the West African Monetary Zone. There you are, informed. All right, that's the conclusion of this episode. I think I've said enough. Um, more than what I planned on saying, but that's besides the point. So this weekend, besides, of course, ingesting um, college football, I am going to maybe read a couple of books to get back to you on that. I'm also going to listen to this podcast. NPR has a podcast called Code Switch. It's for black folk. They have this one that was released uh, on the 29th of September called The Rise of the BBL. Uh, and it's the title sounds interesting, so I'm going to get into that. Um Again, please reach out to me at K-E-C-H-A-E-L-A. That's at K-E-C-H-A-E-L-A on Instagram. Give me some feedback. Give me some comments. I'm not sensitive. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.